0: Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. for more information visit faithfamilybillings.com. dot com and uh i'm going to try and wrap up Philippians one today tonight i should say faith i hear laughing that must mean there's no faith in the in some people <laughs> that's all right i've yeah i've earned I've earned the reputation right Uh, But the Lord always helps us, which is good. You always get something, something good. I I never, you know, even guest ministers have said this when they've come. They're like, man, there's a good, easy to speak, lots of utterance, easy to flow. And I always want that to be um, because uh, uh, people, uh, the Lord answers based on our faith. So the more we draw, the more answers can come. Do you know? Even if you don't agree with the minister on everything, if you'll use your faith, the Lord will use the gift in the minister to answer a question you might have. And this is something, Brother Hagin, because see that when that minister, if they're really called and they're really gifted uh, from the Lord in that, that gift inside of there is the Lord's uh, property. And if that person's yielded, the Lord will speak through them. And so that's something to keep in mind. Even if you disagree with the first five things they said, if you just stay in faith, you may hear something that'll set you free in an area that you didn't, you know, you weren't even expecting to have happen. And so um, all of us are in a growth process, amen? There are things I believe today that I did not believe 23 years ago, because I learned from the scripture the, the right answer, you know what I mean, the truth, and it just takes time. And there's no substitute for time. You know, there just isn't. Um, you can, you know, there's no, there's no shortcuts in spiritual growth in that sense. Um, you can increase your spiritual growth by spending more time with the Lord and being more focused on it, um, but there are no shortcuts. Growth comes in stages, um, just like natural growth does. I know uh, years ago, Brother Hagen said this to us, and he was in when he was one of the, I was there when he was a teacher still, which was great because I got to sit in on his classes and have him teach, and uh, he uh, made this statement that he was sitting in a service with a minister that was teaching along, and basically, and you know Brother Hagin, he taught a lot on faith, um, but this preacher basically kind of came against almost all the, the faith message, period, <laughs> that he had heard, and just one after another, you know, just kind of got after that, and Brother Hagan was sitting in the service, and he didn't let it bother him, because he didn't get worked up about stuff like that, but he said, I didn't shut the man off, And he said 10 minutes after that, that man answered a question I had from the scriptures that I had wondered about for about 20 years, just 10 minutes later. But he said if I'd have shut him off, I never would have got that answer. So thankfully, um, when your heart's right before the Lord, your heart will be right before men. I heard Mark Hankins say this one time. I'm just warming you up. Um, I heard Mark Hankins say this. You ever? This is this is the truth. Actually, Herb asked me this. Are they always this quiet on Wednesday nights? I don't know what it is about the middle of the week and the Wednesday service, but sometimes you know people bring the week with them that they've already had, you know, and then they bring all the pressures and different things, or they've watched too much CNN, and um, you got to stir them up a little bit, you know. Get they're tired. How many are tired from work? How many are tired from working out before you came? <laughs> that's why I had a double shot coffee, okay, so, but all of that weighs on you, and so you have to, even though your body's tired and your mind may be a little, you know, like, what's going on here, you got to shut it all down, open your heart up, and by the time we're done, you'll feel revved, amen, you ever go to the dinner table just like, okay, we got to eat, how many have ever done that before, okay, okay, It's like, I have not eaten and I am, I'm ready now, you know, and you feel draggy, but the moment you get that food in you and it start, your body starts processing that nutrients into your bloodstream and into your system, you go, hey, what are we going to do next? You know what I mean? It's the same way spiritually. It's the same exact way spiritually. If you've been through a whole day of listening to doubt and unbelief and being harassed, you're going to feel sluggish. But if you'll come to the dinner table and eat and fellowship with the Lord, you won't be tired. Now, if you come, if you're real tired and wore out, and I said this the other day, but i got to say it again. If you're giving out all day and exercising all day in in your faith, and you're working, you're doing things, you're dealing with people, even if it's not physical labor, it's tiring you out. The hardest work that I ever did as I worked at a call center, literally, I would take construction sweating all day long rather than do that. But the Lord put me in a call center and I was eventually I worked my way up to being a a quality assurance. So I I wasn't on the phones all the time. But you want something taxing? Have a headset on your head all day and listen to people yell at you. (laughs) Right? And tell them you can't do anything for them in certain situations. I was threatened to be killed. The UPS man was threatened to be killed. If that package shows up, I'm going to kill the UPS guy. I'm like, what kind of moron gets on the phone on a recorded line and starts threatening to kill everybody? You know what I mean? But it happened over and over. We actually had, and this was at 9-11, because I was working there at 9. I watched the towers go down in, at work. And, uh, <clears throat> I mean, on the news, you know what I mean? I wasn't in New York, but uh, uh, I was in Oklahoma, so call centers being smart like they are, they put the call center for the East Coast on the West Coast. So you can't come kill the people that work. <laughs> Not without a long drive. And by then you'd be cooled off. So, But no, they, we had a guy said, well, he basically made a threat and, and made a mockery of the uh, Oklahoma City bombing. And guess who was at our door the next day? The FBI taking the recording Taking down the information of the guy who made the statement. Yeah, not very smart, right? Anyway, so that was the most taxing. I'd go home and I'd be like, man, your brain almost felt like clogged. You know what I mean? Because you had all this stuff going on and then you had kind of the emotion of the ups and downs. Have you ever been threatened to be killed? Even if, even if they're not in the room, there's something about your physical body that goes, oh, Yeah. You know that kind of heightens a little bit. You know what I mean, and so that happened, and it was just taxing. But all these things can go on. We got to feed spiritually, amen. And so I love what one minister said. You cannot, he said. You cannot, uh, you feed your body three hot meals a day, and you're you, you can't feed your spirit two cold snacks a week. You got to eat. You say, how do I eat? Read. Get in the Word. Read. Feed. The Scripture says in Proverbs, it's health and medicine to all your flesh. The Word of God is. The written Word is. And it will get into your soul and into your emotions. It'll transform your soul, and you'll find, what I've found through the years, is that the longer I walk with Him, the less natural things affect me. The less circumstances have a prophetic voice in my life. I don't take on the conversation of what's going on around me. I keep the conversation of my mouth in line with what the Word says. Even though the circumstances look contrary. And that's what faith is. That's how faith operates and lives. That's what we're called to de-faith. amen? So even in going through a book of the Bible, verse by verse, I was sitting praying the other day, And I was thinking about it, and as I've been going through this and going over it, I realized on the inside of me, I'm stronger than I was when I started this series. It just dawned on me. I'm like, and and verse by verse, you know, some people, they'll they'll fall in love with styles of preaching instead of substance of preaching. And you got to be careful about that. Because the Holy Spirit and the Word of God never changed. Do you know that actually talks about in Scripture that, that uh, Paul told Timothy to give himself to public reading? When was the last time you went to church and the preacher just read the Bible to you? But see, reading is so important. Fellowshipping, I'm talking about with you and the Lord, during the week, you need to make time for it. And people say, well, I'm too busy. You said it, you're too busy. Cut something out. Right? Now listen. If you don't cut something out, don't come whining to me. Because hell is going to break loose. You're prophesying to me. What are you saying? I I reject that word. You know what I mean? People say. (laughs) But Jesus said it. He said in this life you'll have trouble. But if you fellowshiped with him... You know how to walk through it. Amen? And so sometimes, well, a lot of times, um, because of uh, a lack of, sp- uh, lack of true biblical teaching in the sense of feeding on and developing as a disciple of the Lord, what ends up happening is, is people have bumped along in their relationship with the Lord for 15 years, but basically they're just going to heaven when they die. They don't really know much beyond that. They just don't. They don't know the Lord. They haven't taken the time to be close with him. You know, it's like a marriage where people, they're just never together. They're just always separate. Well, you're not going to have a strong marriage. It won't happen. You, you can't have strength that way. Relationship requires time. And what else? Fellowship, right? It's, it's those things working. It's the, same, it's the same principle. It won't be, people say, well, I'm going to pray about it. <laughs> You don't need to pray about it. I'm telling you right now. (laughs) Word of the Lord. If you don't take time with the Lord and read His Word, and people say, people have told me this. Well, I don't understand I didn't understand it at first. I just stayed at it. Does a farmer, do farmers always know exactly how a seed grows? The scientific breakdown of everything? No, but it works, right? So, If you know enough to put the seed in and water it, you get a good start. Just get her sunlight and keep the weeds and rocks out. And don't let the birds hang out. Make sure you get the seed in the soil. You say, what does that mean? Receive the word. Okay? Receive that word. Amen? All right. So, um, you know, that's just encouragement for you because... uh, I don't want you to feel, I don't want you to run out of steam. You need to keep the fire hot so that the steam's there, <laughs> right? So keep, keep, that, keep that relationship going. You're going to need it because we, endurance is a must, okay? Faith functions on endurance. You don't have any more faith than you do endurance, and so your endurance is built, of course it's built through the trial, but it's built, it, the fuel for it comes out of your relationship with the Lord. And so keep that going strong, amen? All right, okay, so let's go. Verse 19, Philippians chapter 1. Father, we're believing you for good things tonight. We receive your utterance and the teaching of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Everybody said Amen. All right, he says this, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. We looked at this before. There is a supply that's uh, provided when we pray in faith. Verse 20, according to my earnest expectation and hope, there's faith and hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed. That's a good confession to make, in nothing I shall be ashamed because my focus, my goal, and my following is after the Lord himself. And then he says, but with all boldness as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. And this is where we got into last week. I think it was, no, it was week before last. Uh, last week was Thanksgiving. But uh, week before last, where we got into the fact that we can know when we're going to die. <laughs> Remember that? And everybody just rejoiced over that. And uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm literally giddy about it. Because, see, I have to die in faith. I don't have to die in fear. And so, you say, what do you mean by that? I'm prepping myself for 40 or 50 years from now, whatever whatever I get ironed out with the Lord on the date and the age, to be in faith when it's time for me to separate out of my body. How many would like that, rather than being in fear? So how does faith come? By hearing. Okay, And we looked at this, and we, and we talked about this, and we'll go over a little bit of it, but I don't want to get stuck there. So he says this. He said, Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. That's a powerful confession, and I think we need to make it as well a part of our lives. For to me, to live as Christ... And to die is gain, that's verse 21. Verse 22, but if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor, yet what I shall choose I cannot tell. And the reason why Paul made that statement was, what I shall choose I cannot tell, is simply because of this. He hadn't heard from the Lord yet. So what is Paul saying in that verse? He's saying, look, I'm having conversations about this with the Lord. How many of you are having conversations with the Lord about other things in your life? Amen? So why not death? You don't get a lot of shouts on this, but that's okay. We'll, we'll stay after it. <laughs> Guys, you're going to, Yeah, you've got a long ways to go. But here's the thing. This is the reality, though, about this. Even if I live another 50 years which will put me at 93. That's a blink in the space of eternity. Now, I'll give you a little exercise to do, but if you have a lot of fear about death right now, don't do this exercise. When you get home... And you the average age now just I'm just giving you an average. You're faith people, so don't just follow averages, okay? Follow the scripture. The average age of life as far as a lifespan in America is seventy five. That's what it is. Seventy five, okay? That doesn't mean you have to die then. I'm just telling you what the average is. But you all are above average. I bless you all, and everybody watching online too, you're above average, okay, so, Grammy's already way above average, and she done shot that thing in the, you know what I mean, it's gone, (laughs) Wanda too, you know, so if you want hints on how to live longer, those two are available after the service for counsel, okay, so, (laughs) pull out a tape measure, put your finger on the on the inches that you are the age and then put your other finger on the average age and you'll see how much time you have left people are like this is the most terrible non-fake no (laughs) it'll give you an idea the point is this how many remember when they were 18 how many are 18 (laughs) oh come on Now we're going to have to have a service on repentance because you're lying. about. (laughs) But how many... I remember sitting in sixth grade going, when is this class going to be over? And now I'm 43. Don't blink. (laughs) Right? So in other words, we need to have conversations with the Lord about these things. Because I only have so much time, and it's not a panic for me, but it is serious, to, to work out my salvation with fear and trembling, to accomplish or fulfill the mission that's been given to me. And that mission is, the, 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 the bullet points on that mission are not just preach and teach. It's husband, father, grandfather. Come on, you understand what I'm saying? Great-grandfather. You know, because with long life, he'll satisfy you. great great <laughs> okay so in other words in other words there's a there's work to be done not to earn my salvation but to walk in obedience and be a witness to those around me the longer i live the more generations i can impact before i die have you noticed humanity is good at forgetting i mean you 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 look at the world and the arrogance in the world today in rejection of god and how quickly they forget just about 200 years ago and 200 years isn't that long ago but yet we sit within the boundaries humanity will do this they'll sit within the boundaries of where they live and their time span and they'll they'll act like they've discovered something that hasn't been here before that nobody else discovered not really Well, we found out. No, you didn't. You just have flesh. And the flesh is the same as it was 3,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago. It doesn't matter. It's the same nature. So we need to talk with the Lord about these things. We need to be aware and hear from him about uh, our lifespan and what we're supposed to do. And uh, like uh, Dale told me the other other day, he prays and he was talking to the Lord. One of his prayers is, I want to finish well. Come on. I can get on board with that. I mean, I want to get to the finish line, break the thing, and be sweating so hard. The angels go, we got to get you a new outfit before you go to heaven, boy. You stink. I said, not my fault. It's dead flesh. (laughs) Give me a new body. We'll be fine. (laughs) In other words, I want to get to the end of it. And that's what Paul's heart was. Because he loved the Lord so much because he realized how much the Lord did for him. He wasn't doing it out of earning his salvation. He was doing it out of a revelation of what he realized had been given to him. Amen? And so that's the way we need to be. And so we saw that from Scripture. So verse 23 says this. Paul says this, I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is what? Far better. So how come when we talk about death, everybody gets sad? If you're saved, you're far better. Far better. You know, when my dad died, and he died early, he had cancer, he died early, and um, I talked to him actually a week before he passed away, and I said, Dad, are you you crossing over? I asked him, because I got over in the Spirit, and I started praying for him, and I was praying about this situation, and I was asking the Lord, when is he going to die? Because I I did not sense in my heart that there was going to be a healing in this situation. And it wasn't because God didn't want to heal him. I'm not going to get into all that. But anyway, I just knew, I could tell in my heart, this is not going to go the way that I want it to here. And there are a whole lot of variables in that, so please don't develop doctrines out of circumstances, okay? we gotta know, we got to know all the reasons, and the truth of the matter is, there are some things that God's going to tell you exactly what he told others, the secret things belong to me, so shut your mouth and walk on. How many have had the Lord tell you that? I have had the Lord tell me that. Okay, so maybe he said it nicer to you. Anyway... In this, and in this time, I was praying, and I just felt like, he's going. He's going to unravel here. He's going to separate from his body. I'm going to show you this here in the scripture in just a second. It's really cool. But anyway, and I so I went to talk to him. He wouldn't talk to me about it. Well, he's my dad. I'm not his. Amen? So I just, I, okay, all right. And so I went on, and then a week or two weeks later, I think he went, went home to be with the Lord. And um, it wasn't the most amazing, you know, experience in the sense of it wasn't the way I wanted it to be. But I know where he's at and I know he's far better. For to me, so, and right after it was over, the Lord said to me, Sean, to live is Christ, to die is gain. So I put a picture of my dad on my home screen, on my phone. And under it, I'd put the scripture to live as Christ, to die as gain. And I would read that every day. And I, you know, you grieve, but you, you, I do my own thing. You do yours, I'll do mine. So, how I, how I did it was every day I'd look at that, and it took me about seven months. But I got it settled in my heart my job is to live as Christ. My dad's job at this point is all gain. And then I can rejoice over it. Do I miss my dad? Are you kidding me? If he was still here, he'd be preaching with me. I had him teach on Father's Day in the church. We were at the Elson Boys and Girls Ranch at the time. I still have it. I listen to it every once in a while. He would get up and he'd say, now I'm going to warn you. Sean's the preacher. I'm not. (laughs) He said, and he'd just go to teaching the word. Did you know my dad was an associate pastor with Pastor Stan at Faith Chapel? Praise the Lord. So there's a whole history there, but what 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 did I what do I realize? It's far better to go. Even if you know somebody who went early, if they're saved, they're far better. And most of my tears are for me. They're not they're never for him. He's not in heaven crying. You know? And in about, you know, an hour to An hour and 45 minutes from now, according to heaven's time, I'll be with my dad anyway. If a day is as a thousand years. He'll go, you're here already. I'm like, dad, it's been like 50 years. (laughs) He's like, well, it's been like an hour and 45 minutes here. (laughs) Let me show you around. I'll probably get into heaven. My grandpa will kick me when I get there. So, all right. You made it. (laughs) My grandpa had a weird way of showing love. Okay, so. Hard-pressed between the two means this, to be restricted on both sides under a pressure which prevents a definite choice. So you're being what? Pulled. Anybody been hard-pressed before? Okay? So to be hard means to be restricted on both sides under a pressure which prevents a definite choice. Paul had the pull of heaven on him as well as the pull of the needs of the people, He said this, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. To depart means to undo again. Okay? It means to break up or to depart from life. When a believer dies, they return to where they came from. Death for the believer is an unraveling of the flesh from the spirit and the soul. So to undo again means the idea or the thought is as woven threads. So in other words, what happens is your soul in death and your spirit, which are right next to each other, they actually are unwoven from your body and you go to heaven and your body goes to the dust. Because you're actually in a tent. You know, people think, it's why, it's why sometimes some of the things that people get so excited about are so funny to me because you have a spiritual understanding of the situation. You know what I mean? If I could be built like that, you know, like like uh, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, Arnold in his day, you know, of course, that was some steroids too, but he was a big, muscly guy, right? Or who's the current guy? Uh, the, the Rock, right? So if I could be built, his is going to dust just like mine. And I don't care how much plastic surgery you have, you can tie, you, you know, you can cut the back of the the, the, the back of your head and pull the skin, you know, get the doctor to push it. You know, and you may have a straight face, but you're still in a seventy-year-old body because the body dies. Amen. And so, um, there's an unraveling that takes place. There's a you're woven in right now to your body, but then there's a there's a uh, uh, it's unwoven if that's a word. But there there's a it's a separating of threads. So think of you. Think of, think of you and your body like this, a knife in a sheath. You're not, the knife is not the sheath. It's not the hold. Your body is not you. You're inside. You're looking through windows called what? Eyeballs. Amen? All right. So Paul said this, to depart, to throw this body off is far better. The same man, this is interesting, that penned, that penned by the Holy Spirit, it is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me, also penned that he wanted to depart and to be with Christ. <laughs> I find that amusing. I read through the Bible sometimes and I laugh. i you know, like, Lord, you know you're confusing people. <laughs> he goes, they won't be confused if they'll fellowship with me because I'll show them how. How it is, Amen. So I love this. Far better means to have a much more advantage or a higher degree. Paul, this is what Bob Yandian's commentary is on this, a tent maker uses a military term for striking a tent, leaving one camp and heading toward another. The the tent Paul is speaking of is his body. He would be leaving his body and going from earth to heaven to be face to face with the Lord. Right then, if he had been given his choice, he would have preferred to go to heaven and be with the Lord. However, he knows there is more to be done and his work with the Philippians is not over. Verse number 24 says this, Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you more needful for you. So Paul makes a decision being pulled between two things, a desire of his own and the need of the people. And as as Paul, as a disciple of the Lord, as a bondservant, of the Lord. Remember we looked at the word bondservant before. It's somebody who gives up their will to the will of another. In his prayer time he realized from Father God that he needed to stay and complete some more things in order for the kingdom of God to advance in the proper time span that it needed to. There still needed to be given revelation written down for that generation and the generations to come to be able to understand the fullness of what took place in the kingdom... when Jesus Christ was crucified, buried, and raised from the dead. And then giving the revelation of what that meant for each individual believer. So the Lord did this. He said, I know the end from the beginning. Paul, I need you to stay where you're at because you've got to write a few more things for me. Because in order for the end to happen the way I want it to, I need this revelation in the earth. And Paul went, oh, that puts faith in me. I'm not dying right now. I'm going to keep going. Now, you need to do that for you. Amen? How many have watched people through the years that you know you should be watching people and observing who does it right and who does it wrong and go, nope, uh, yep, uh, nope, uh, yep. I do this all the time. doesn't mean I always do it right, but I can still say, nope, uh, yep. <laughs> But assessing situations, going, okay, look at how many things, even though their their life had a few uh, bumps in it and there were some difficult, look at how many things that person has made it through. How? And if they're believers, which most of the time they are, you'll find they heard from him. And when you hear from him, faith comes. And when faith comes and you act on it, ooh, mountains get lifted up. Yeah, and you just keep going. And people, well, how do you do that? You say, let me tell you about Jesus. Amen? So he says, it's more needful for me that I stay. The word needful is what is required by the condition of things. So the Lord and Paul, working together, realized we got to change, we still got to to do some teaching here, we still got to do some ministry here. And we see again, and I said this before, this is a revelation of Paul's understanding of what a bondservant was. Every minister or believer comes to a point where he wants to give up and go on and to be with the Lord. Paul has come to that point. Yet there are two overriding factors which enter in. First, the will of God must always be top part, the top priority. God's will for Paul is that time is that at this time is to continue on in the ministry. Second is the need of the people. The heart cry of a true minister or believer, a disciple of the Lord, is for the need of the people. God has called them to. Paul puts his own desires second to the needs of the Philippians. Let's go on to verse number twenty-five. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress of faith. Being confident of this means, the word confident, means to rely by inward certainty. I like this. It means to trust or believe with the idea of hearing from authority. I love this it means to persuade or to induce one by words to believe in other words what Paul heard from heaven when heaven speaks to you the authority of heaven and the faith of heaven is embedded in an open heart and when that seed is watered and acted upon then you can move forward in confidence when all the situations tell you opposite and go yep it's going to be just as the Lord said I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to stay right where I'm called. I'm going to stay right with what God has called me to do. And year after year and decade after decade, the Lord is faithful and faithful again and speaks again. And His children overcome and then overcome again and then break through again. And when it looks like all the enemy is encamped around about you, He rises up again in speaking from His word to the people whether it be by a prophet or to you individually and you watch as the enemy turns on each other and destroy themselves and the people of God walk through and just go ahead and loot the enemy on the way now I just quoted a whole bunch of scriptures go read your Bible you'll find it alright <laughs> how many know when 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 a couple of when God decided to put his footsteps and His uh, his the sound of him walking in a few lepers walking toward a camp that the enemy went we're all going to die. And they were, after they ran for their lives from a few lepers, thinking that that it was this huge army, that the children of God were three days pulling out the spoils out of that camp. Three days. The enemy was defeated by a bunch of lepers. God doesn't need our strength. He needs our faith. All right. He said, I know that I shall remain and continue with you. No means to have knowledge and to be sure. So he was confident, even though he was in the middle of house arrest. And you may be in the middle of house arrest. I don't know. Maybe you're under quarantine if you're at home because nobody is here. But anyway, if you're under quarantine, you can hear from God and get a word. You could look at your Roman soldier who you're attached to in chains and go, I'm leaving here. And they'll look at you and think, you are nuts. Nope, I just heard from God. That's all. And then what does Paul say? And I love this. For your progress and joy of faith. There it is, Johnny. Joy of faith. Your progress and joy of faith. This statement by Paul tells me that he has heard from the Lord. The only way you end up stating something like this is because you have heard from God. Paul is staying for the most important reason in all the world, people and their progress and joy of faith. Paul will stay on earth because the word is not yet complete. We know this from Colossians 1.25. Paul has much more to write and to minister. In so doing, not only will the Philippian people advance and increase in joy, but so do we today. Joy in the faith is joy in the word of God. The faith is a technical phrase for God's word. Advancement in the word of God is the fundamental reason God leaves us here on earth. you know why? Not only for your good, but for his glory so that it's a witness. It's a witness. We do not need to seek joy. It will come as we advance in spiritual maturity. Joy is a fruit of the recreated human spirit. We know this from Galatians 5. Fruit does not try to grow, but grows naturally when the conditions of light and water are present. Joy will come naturally in our life when the conditions of the word, prayer, and spiritual advancement or fellowship with God are met. There are no shortcuts in spiritual growth. Verse number 26 says this, that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. The Philippian people had been... had uh, ha- have had rejoicing before with Paul amid his team. So if you want to go back and read about these things, you read Acts 15 and 16, and you'll see where the ministry took place to the Philippians in that area right there. So let's get down to verse 27 through 30, and let's talk about the partnership of suffering. Ooh, suffering. The third and final section concerns the highest form of suffering. Suffering caused by a stand for, for Christ or suffering for righteousness' sake. Verse number 27, doesn't seem like it starts here, but it does. We'll get to it. We'll get to the suffering part. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I hear I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. Conduct worthy of the gospel. The word conduct has to do with, and it might be in your Bible, conversation. But it means, basically it means conduct characteristic of heavenly citizenship. So let your conduct be worthy of the gospel. In other words, how you live should be what? Characteristic of your heavenly citizenship. There should be an expression of who's in you coming out. Right? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as, as it is in heaven, right? In other words, we pray that prayer, but really, do you know it's already been established? Because Christ in you, the hope of glory. Okay? So worthy, I would say it like this: live your life from the nature of God within you. That's what living worthily is. It's a manner of life in accordance with the gospel, what the gospel declares. Our lifestyle or manner of life should weigh heavily in the direction of our born-again nature, or as Paul said it, if you walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Okay? All right? So it's not a legalistic thing, it's a nature thing. He said, when I hear of your affairs, Paul had reports given to him about the condition of his churches. Amen. His ministry team were in contact with him concerning what was going on in each church. Paul fathered the churches he started. And then he says this, that you stand fast in one spirit, which means to hold your ground, With one mind, striving or contending as a team of athletes together for the faith of the gospel. The word picture Paul uses here is of weighing something on scales. Living a godly life before the world tips the unbeliever's scale toward the gospel of Jesus Christ. The prayer of every minister is that the people will live for the Lord whether he himself himself is present or absent and whether he is successful or unsuccessful in living the Christian life himself. If Paul had gone on to be with the Lord during this time of pressure in his life, his prayer would be that the saints at Philippi would continue to live for the Lord and hold fast to the ground they had claimed. Their unity of spirit teamed up with their unity of mind would have enabled them to live for the gospel like a team of athletes contending for a victory crown. With the common goal of living for Christ, they would have rallied around the word of God, the faith. Every minister's and really disciple's desire is for the people to continue the work after he dies or else is called by God to another place. The people may miss him, but they know the Lord is always there, and God can supply another pastor or another disciple, friend, fellowship. They do not live for the Lord only because of who's around them, but because Jesus himself is there. Once this principle is understood, the believer will work harder on the jobs. Talking about physically working. He will not work because of his, his boss is present, but because the Lord is present. The wife will be more productive in the house. She will, be, she will work because the Lord is present, whether her husband is there or not. Have you ever had, worked with somebody who always looks busy when you, you the boss, come around? Nobody has? I have. Oh, <laughs> well, the boss is coming. Quick, look busy. Look like you're doing something. <laughs> Verse 28. And not in any way terrified by your adversaries. I love this which is to them a proof of of perdition, but to you of salvation and that from God. So in other words, it says this, And in nothing terrified, frightened by nothing, by your adversaries, those entrenched in opposition toward you. This phrase is from the analogy of a timid horse facing battle. The word was also used in the city, in this city of in the city of Philippi to describe the suicide of Cassius when facing defeat in the battle of Philippi. Fear can cause a person to run from a battle they would have won. The Philippian saints are facing a group of people hostile to the word of God and the ministry of Paul, but for the sake of the gospel, they are to be steadfast in their faith toward those who are entrenched against them. Listen to me, guys. Don't fall for the lie of what you feel in fear. Fight. Resist. I don't care if you have to bite down on a piece of leather, you know, like they used to, you know, bite the bullet, so to speak. I don't care what you have to do. Get with the Lord and don't yield to fear because the results of fear will be worse than the battle you're facing right now if you just stand in faith. Amen? If you just stand in faith, God will come through. He never lies. He never fails. He can't fail. It's impossible. Amen? It's impossible. So... God gives us outward symbols of spiritual truths in our lives. These symbols show the world what God has done for us. The lack of fear in the life of the Philippian saints is an outward token or a badge of salvation. It shows those in opposition to the gospel that they do not have, that they do not have what the believer has. The believer knows he has received eternal life, and his lack of fear is an outward display of this. To the one rejecting eternal life, This supernatural lack of fear is also a symbol of his own coming destruction. Through it, he sees the believer's eternal life and his own eternal damnation. So reject fear. Verse 29. For to you, it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to what? No, we don't believe in suffering. I cannot change that verse, no matter what I feel about it. Now, suffer for Christ's sake. You have to keep it in context, because some people suffer from stupid. You ever seen that? spirit of stupid comes all over them, you know, <laughs> they start running, they're just running headlong through life with stupid leading them. Sometimes they know, sometimes they don't. Some people are just rebellious. And it doesn't matter how hard they hit the brick wall. They're getting up and running at it again. Okay? You, we can pray for those people. How many know you cannot choose for people? You figured that out? If you're married, you know. You figured that out. <laughs> okay? Yeah. So, Matthew chapter... Now, don't go there. I'm all All right. So, Matthew chapter 5, verse 10 through 12. You can look it up there, because I've got to give you at least three scriptures here. Otherwise... People will walk away and go, it's not in the Bible. All right, 1 Peter 4, verse 12 through 9, both of, 12 through 19, both of them talk about suffering. Suffering means to be affected or to have been affected, to feel or have a sensible experience, to undergo evils or to be afflicted. People are like, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. How many think Paul felt being beat? For the gospel's sake. Amen. How many have ever read where they whined and cried after, cried after they got beat up for Jesus? Go read Acts. It said they counted it an honor because they recognized what their master went through. Now, they didn't, they didn't believe that they were somehow causing, you know, paying for someone's salvation and, like Jesus did. That's not what it was. It was just like, look, Jesus got whooped, so did we. You say, what does that mean? We got faith. See, now that's opposite to some of the faith message. Now, not the one I was taught, <laughs> but some that I've heard. They think, well, no, we're not supposed to be ever, you know. if For the gospel, the highest level of faith is martyrdom. All right, we'll have to study that sometime. Since we live on this earth as ambassadors and representatives of Jesus Christ, we will suffer the same as he did. We are called to believe on the Lord and to stand for him during the hardships of life. How we stand for Him during pressures will be an outward testimony of our faith. Our witness is not only our words, but our actions and deeds as well. We are filled with the Holy Spirit not to do witnessing, but to be a witness. Okay? Verse 30, last verse. See, you doubted me, but I made it. Having the same conflict, I didn't go over by much either. Having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here is in me. The Philippian saints had already seen how Paul had suffered for the gospel and were hearing of his present opposition. Those who opposed Paul would not accept the Lord Jesus as Savior. They were entrenched against him as many in Philippi were toward the believers there. Just as Paul's badge of eternal life his lack of fear made his adversaries angry so the Philippians' lack of fear would anger their own adversaries. Let me ask you a question. How do you come to the conclusion if you're, a, if you're unsaved or a religious person that Jesus Christ, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, deserved death? If there was a person that walked in here and started healing every ailment in the room and somebody jumped up and said, we got to put that guy to death. Logic does not, just logic does not follow that pattern of thought. The other pattern of thought is we got to get everybody to this guy that's sick. But what would cause the opposite to happen? Blindness, jealousy, rage, anger, intimidation, insecurity... I'll be my own God. Nobody's going to take my place. I need my leadership position. What about my pension? I've been the boss here forever. I'll put it like this. No faith. Because if you can believe God, if that person can believe God, I can believe God. Right? I can believe God. So in the midst of all this, Paul says, we're moving forward. So chapter 1 is now concluded. The summary is this. The Lord Jesus suffered. In 1 Corinthians 11, 1, Paul writes, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. If Paul was truly following the Lord and suffered, then we who follow the Lord and Paul will suffer also. We're going to have, come on, some of you guys are not thinking this all the way through. Some of you have been rejected for your faith. By people of faith. Was Jesus rejected for his faith by people of faith? Supposed people of faith. Yes, he was. Amen. Do you think it's possible that in our current culture in America, that we are not pushing a direction where this will become the most hated, and believers, one of the most hated things? Come on, the devil has not changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. All right. If we, like Paul, will allow the grace of God to operate in and through us during times of suffering, we will see God's plan come to pass, and Christ will be magnified in our lives. Our response to that suffering will be a strong witness to those around us. Amen? A strong witness. Guys, I know this. We all love the miracle. We just don't like the horse of Pharaoh breathing down our neck before the Red Sea splits. But listen, they go together. You can't have one without them. every miracle I've ever had in my life. Every time me and Heidi have believed God is in the middle of something that looks like all hell is going to win. Every time. When, Kylie was, when, Kylie, when Heidi was pregnant, with we, I, we thought we got pregnant once, uh, uh, first. And uh, Heidi started having symptoms opposite of what the pregnancy uh, should have been. Normal, right? Wise. So when that took place and things didn't go the way I wanted them to, and the way I thought they should, Heidi ended up having to go to surgery. There was no baby, they had to remove the womb, you know, there's no baby and there just the womb was there, had formed. So at that moment, I didn't blame God. I vowed to, st- <laughs> to stick my sword so far up the, the devil's gut, because this is how I function. I do not get mad at God. I know who my enemy is. So when Heidi got pregnant the second time uh, with Kylie, same symptoms came. With Taylor too. No, no, no. With Ian. Didn't even bother with Taylor. The first sword hurt. (laughs) Devil's like, we better take a break. (laughs) So he came back the second time. What did you do? Same thing. But when we went to the doctor one time, and the doctor was like, your, your water levels are not right. You're not measuring. I don't know how they do it. They measure anyway. Well, if the baby, if the wound, if the baby is not encased in fluid, the baby's not breathing. I don't, that doesn't make sense, but it makes sense, I guess. I'm not a doctor, so. So what did I do? We go to believe in God. Why? Because the promise is that we're having kids and being fruitful and multiplying. Three was enough multiplying for me. (laughs) Okay. So we went to believe in God, and her fluid levels doubled in one week. And thankfully, the doctor was a Catholic, which, you know, she had some level of faith, thankfully. She's like, whoa, that's a miracle, you know? (laughs) She did. It was a level. It was some level, you know? I've found that if I can get Catholics saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, they're the most radical things I've ever seen in my life. And I've done it. (laughs) Amen? In other words, in other words, are you going to let fear dominate you? You're going to hear from the Lord. You're going to hear from the Lord in every situation where you're hard-pressed on both sides, right? Right? You're going to know from him. You're going to follow that word. You're going to live on. You're going to do what you're called to do. You're going to fulfill your, your kids. Listen to me. Your kids are not going to drive you crazy. They shouldn't be driving you anywhere. You should be driving. <laughs> All the people that are passing, their kids are out. They're like, yeah, you know, they're not, I'm still here. Got my mind. <laughs> okay? you're going to fulfill your call and do what you're called to do. Well, it's hard. Uh huh. Welcome to the fight. If you do this part right, you'll get through it. I, can I share one more thing with you? I just need to share. Everybody stand with me, so that way I'll stop. <laughs> Don't forget that we're going to move all the chairs here. Let me say this. I was, I was hired as a youth pastor at Freedom Church over here at the Assembly of God Church. Uh, in 2006. I worked there for six years. They hired me for four to six years, and I worked there six years. And then when I was done, I left and did some itinerant work before we started this church. But while I was there, the first two years that I was there, every single day I wanted to quit. Everyone. Because this was not my call. And every single day, I felt like, how many have lifted weights before? And you have what's called a max, right? And usually you can do your max, what, like one, maybe, usually one time. It's supposed to be the max. I felt like I was lifting my max every day for two years. Every single, every week, every, every, it's like I had to use my faith to breathe. And I wanted out so bad, but I knew the Lord had told me to. So I'm in this conflict, right? And I pressed, and I, but I understood faith, so I knew I couldn't leave. And also, in that process, I knew I had to keep myself walking in the Spirit. So in other words, I couldn't act how I felt. And after two years, I showed up at work one day and went, Oh! Oh, this is easy. And I had broken through. Now, it took two years. But you cannot pay me enough to go through it again, but you cannot pay me enough for what I learned. There's not enough money in the world trade. I'll trade out for that. Because I learned about endurance. Disciples have endurance. Year after year, seeing people saved, healed, filled with the Spirit, Delivered, seeing live shit year after year. Just keep progressing with the Lord. Steady as she grows. The light within you, the witness about you gets greater and greater. You go through trial after trial after trial after trial after trial. And then you find yourself one day older and older. And I have, I'm at the point now where I got youth calling me from when I was a youth pastor to meet with me. I had one recently, it was so great. He said, I still remember the look on your face and what you warned us about. And I said, no, it won't be that way. And I did it. But guess what's in there? That seed. And that seed will grow. And it has an effect, amen? Amen.